One of the experiences in life that I find both occasionally common but also rather disorienting is the experience of being in a crowd of people and yet feeling alone. The irony that I am surrounded by people, interesting people, curious people, loving people, And yet at the same time, I find in that moment this possibility of connection impossible. When I backpacked through Europe, I I felt this way now and again when I stepped off of a train in a new city or a new country all by myself. Or I felt this way at at parties sometimes where where everyone seems to know each other and I'm, I'm left trying to participate or, or break into conversation with a room full of strangers. I think there's something so telling about this experience. We long for connection. Even when we're around a bunch of people, we long for a deeper connection because we are social creatures. We are relational creatures. We long for fellowship. We long for communion. It is an essential component of our lives as human beings that we live in relationship with our fellow human beings. Any vision of of what the good life looks like must involve friendships or family or community. It is no surprise that when people here in this congregation speak about the benefits of our parish family, they almost inevitably speak about the value of community. They speak about the value of knowing others and of being known, of being seen, of being acknowledged, and of being loved. They speak of the value of connection. One of the interesting things that that psychology has discovered in recent years is how harmful it is for people if they are subjected to solitary confinement. In our uh, enormous prison system, we have thousands of people who are forced to routinely spend 22 hours a day alone in what the, the Bureau of Prisons likes to call restrictive housing placement. What has come to light in numerous studies is that people forced to to spend this sort of time cut off from human contact tend to suffer. They suffer from all sorts of mental and even physical illnesses. Some reports have gone so far as to say that the use of solitary confinement is a form of torture. We are by nature social. We were created for communion. We were created to be in relationship with one another. And today's gospel reading points to this reality, and and it takes it deeper. Jesus says to his disciples, I am the true vine. And to his listeners, Jesus tells them that they are branches 
of that same vine. Now, John's gospel tells us that that Jesus is the divine word made flesh. This word assumes our nature and bridges the gap between God and humanity. For God takes on our fragile and vulnerable human nature when the word becomes embodied or incarnate in a human life. And as such, God is not standing at a distance from our lives, watching over us from afar, but rather that the divine life has become woven into the life of humanity. God plants God's very self in the middle of human beings, drawing us into relationship and friendship with God from the inside. So when Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches, there is now no separation from God, for God has bridged the gap between the creator and creation. For in Christ, God's life and love flow from Christ and through Christ and into us, these so-called branches. We are by nature relational. And here we see just how deep that relationality, that communion goes. St. Paul, in his letter to the ancient churches in the New Testament, often uses the image of the church as the body of Christ, where, where each individual becomes a member of that body. Here, Jesus describes himself as a vine, the source of an organic and growing thing with many branches. This is not a static reality, but alive and animated and active and interconnected. And as such, in Christ, we are never truly alone and we are never abandoned. And yet, let's admit that we cannot hear this passage and not also hear what sounds like a threat to this inherent relationality. If we are the branches, then what becomes of those branches that are removed for bearing no fruit? What becomes of those branches that are pruned so as to bear more fruit? What of those branches who are thrown away to wither and thus gathered together to be burned? Charlie Hoover reminded me at the uh, forum in between classes that in Santa Monica, you cannot burn those branches, uh, just so you know. They have to be bundled up and put in the green bin. So it was very important that he told, he had no other comment on the sermon but that, which was good. So what happens with these branches? It might sound like if we don't abide with Jesus, then we will be cut off or we will be exiled or worse. It sounds like Jesus is is threatening us just a little bit. But I want to invite us this morning to see this, this from a slightly different angle. Not so much from a moral angle, but from the angle of our existence, of our being. 
Because Jesus is not just telling his disciples to abide with him. He's also telling them that he will abide with them. Jesus says, abide in me as I abide in you. As I abide in you, he says. Jesus abides with us, remains with us, stays with us. That is the promise. And yet the predicament of the human experience is that love gives us the freedom to either live into that reality of Jesus abiding with us or to walk away from it. We are allowed to hide from love and to live as if love didn't sit at the center of the whole of reality. We can, we can deny the reality that we were created in love and for love, and we can thus wall ourselves off from others as we strive to be untouchable and unaffected by them or by the world we live in. We are capable of living lives of greed at the expense of our neighbor. We can live lives of hatred and deny the inherent dignity of our fellow human beings. We can cling to our security in such a way that others become exposed and vulnerable to danger. We can deny solidarity. We can deny our interconnection one to another. And when we do any of this, we become absurd. We become like branches, trying to to flourish apart from our vine, apart from the source of our life. If we live without love, then we become like a branch, trying to boast of its own self-sufficiency as it inevitably withers away. Jesus is not threatening us as much as Jesus is trying to speak to us about the absurdity of trying to live our lives apart from our source, apart from the creative love that is God. We are by nature relational creatures. We are interconnected. And that interconnection goes to the very heart of reality, to the absolute, to the mystery that we call God. We were told in the the first letter of John this morning that God is, is love. If we are to live freely and abundantly, then we must live into our nature And thus, love as God loves, to be as God is. And this is what it means to abide with Jesus, as Jesus abides with us. Loving as Christ loved, 
and loves is what it means for us to bear fruit. We were made by love and for love. We were created so that that the love that sits at the center of everything might flow through us and bear fruit. This fruit is the life that we are able to give one to another. This fruit is God's love flowing through us in order to enlighten the darkness of our world. This love is not God's alone. It's not Christ's alone, but nor is it our love alone. Rather, this love is ours and Christ's. It is in us, and Christ is in us, and we are in Christ, manifesting the love of God in the world. This is what it means to bear fruit. We are to embody that love that sits at the center of everything through our words and through our deeds, through our actions, and in our very lives. We are relational creatures, social creatures, created for communion, created to love and to reveal God's love. We are branches of a vine that is love. So let us bear fruit. For as John tells us in that first letter, beloved, let us love one another because love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Amen.